live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. After their best performance, start to finish really all season long, it's Notre Dame football back in action at home for the second night game in a row at Notre Dame Stadium. This time it's up and down North Carolina coming into town as the opponent with dual threat quarterback Sam Howell under center. And big challenge for the Irish. They will have to defend UNC's offense without star safety Kyle Hamilton, who will miss tonight's game with a knee injury. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. So glad to be with you again this morning. Joined, as always, by Kevin Downey with Ilya Glassman contributing on the other side of the glass. Notre Dame defeating USC 31-16 last week. Uh, if you're listening to us on Redeemer Radio, driving around, getting those morning errands, you can also watch us on YouTube and Facebook. One of our Take or leave it questions last week was, would Notre Dame lead start to finish, Kevin? And, well, we both said no. Ilya said yes. Ilya was right. Ilya was right. Ilya was right. Um, but we hadn't seen it before from Notre Dame this season. And they did, in fact, lead start to finish, kicking off the second half of the season in a positive way as they now enter tonight 6-1 and one and ranked 11th in the country. Your thoughts? Well, I... I guess uh, USC's run defense was a little bit worse than I anticipated, <laughs> which I do think helped because it didn't put as much pressure uh, for the pass rush. But then to have that running game and to have you know Williams have such a great day, I think that that helped them not just get the lead but also keep the lead. Yeah, I mean, it was – look, in the second half of the season, we're going to get into this mix of is Notre Dame better or are their opponents worse? And yeah. this is going to be that situation. And it's probably going to be a little bit of both, right? Because I don't know that, and Ilya, you could chime in on this, I don't know if USC is that much worse than Virginia Tech. I mean, they're in a dogfight with Virginia Tech. And, I, I mean, certainly yeah. I don't know if they're that much worse than Toledo, obviously. Um, or Florida State, for that matter. Well, so, yeah, and it's kind of up and down. Like, look at North Carolina. They lost to, well, Virginia Tech. They lost to Georgia Tech. They lost to Florida State. I don't think you can go by who plays who, and I think it's almost a – It's a mixed bag. Old coaches deal, but back to just the game, you know, right. on the – that you're playing then. doesn't matter who does what. Uh, I'll, I'll say that North Carolina is probably going to be offensively, especially one of the most talented teams, if not the most talented team we play – I'm very certain that Sam Howell is going to be the best quarterback we face all year. I know we have Virginia at Virginia in a couple of weeks, and they're very talented offensively, but they've also been up and down. I mean, everyone's been up and down this That's year. That's what it seems like. So uh, for Notre Dame to really control the entire game last week wasn't all too surprising with me. I know USC's going through a lot of stuff with the – head coach and all <laughs> yeah it's a good way to so, put it a lot of stuff a lot of stuff yeah so um no i just Notre Dame's just in a better place right now than usc so it wasn't all too surprising no i i think you're right but the mention of you know what to expect from north carolina if you get that good version of north carolina mm-hmm. mm, they're tough i mean i might surprise some people later on in the show i'm just saying i'm just saying i might surprise some people later on the show well North Carolina is the only thing that kind of stood out to me, and I guess it's obvious, but in their three losses, 
was the uh, turnovers. You know, there were some interceptions in each of the games that weren't bad throws, but really good interceptions. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. So it wasn't necessarily like a knock on the QB, but other people stepping up. All right, on tap on this morning's show, our featured interview with Chris Zorch, the former Notre Dame All-American, joins us to talk about the 88 National Championship run, a crazy story about his recruitment to Notre Dame and how he thought it was a lot farther than 90 miles from uh, Chicago. And Lou Holtz's biggest regret in his coaching career, he recently shared that with uh, Chris, wow. and Chris relays that to us later in the show. Speaking of defensive linemen, Isaiah Foskey has been awesome. Yes. And uh, what a key to success. We'll talk about him, and we'll hear from Isaiah as well coming up uh, next segment. Does Notre Dame have a working offense finally with up-tempo with Jack Cohn and maybe just maybe some semblance of a run game? And you can also weigh in on our poll question, what happens tonight between Notre Dame and North Carolina? Just head to my Twitter account, at Ange DiCarlo, to cast your vote. Does not sound like any of you people are worried out there from the early votes that we've gotten. But let's start with the injury updates for, for the Irish. Good news, sounds like Chris Tyree should be back today after a battle with turf toe. Bad news, no Kyle Hamilton tonight. Brian Kelly seemed uh, extremely optimistic post-game after USC. Said it multiple times when asked that he would play against North Carolina. Hamilton injured his knee against USC, but then on Monday... Kelly said Hamilton was out. We don't know if this is long-term, if he's going to be back sooner than later, if this is a situation where it's, look, Kyle Hamilton's a potential top five pick in the NFL draft. Make sure he's fully healthy and ready to I go. I mean, not to Kelly, risk. Kelly said something like, we got to get everyone's opinion on this matter. Hmm. And I'm sure that's Kyle's opinion, his parents' opinion, the doctors, the coaching staff. I mean, ultimately, if... You know, you can't jeopardize. You don't want what happened to Jalen Smith to happen to Kyle Hamilton that you yeah. dropped to the second round because of an injury. I mean, that cost Jalen Smith a lot of money. I mean, you're talking like I think I think top five pick is like a guarantee of like thirty or forty million dollars. I mean, it's insane yeah. the difference between now. It's still good money in the second round, a couple million, but. Couple million versus thirty to forty is a is a world Different. Of, world of difference. So, um, and you know, DJ Brown, Houston Griffith will start at safety. They did well last week against yeah, USC, USC, and they play the majority of the game. But I mean, this is a big difference now without Kyle Hamilton. Well, and last year uh, Kyle was out for as North well. Carolina, for North as well. Carolina. <laughs> yeah, which is also which is also good because it was the same two safeties against you know, North Carolina yep. last year. So, I don't know. What's your take here on facing Sam Howell, a really good dual-threat quarterback, against, without Kyle Hamilton? I, it well, I mean, me greatly. Yeah, I think the biggest impact, or the thing that would make me most um, nervous, again, the quarterback's really good at passing, but he's uh, emerges a dual-threat, and they're good at uh, explosive plays, so it's just that last line of defense. You'd like to have your best athlete, best football player, back there in case the quarterback does break free for a really long gain uh, that you could stop him. But, again, coming off of USC, you have to be feeling pretty confident in, in the two guys. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, like the, I like what I saw from D.J. Brown, but I don't, I don't know how much I trust Houston Griffith. i got to be honest. I, 
he's the one that concerns me He seems me like more. he's gotten better, but okay. I don't know. Maybe they're, they were picking on the replacement for Kyle Hamilton. Well, you never really know the well, <laughs> behind That's the what I look at it like. It's like now everyone gets exposed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm highly concerned about the secondary. This is what first game of the season I said. We asked who's the most important player on the team. I said it's Kyle Hamilton. They're mm-hmm. going to be way different. Now I think the secondary has played a lot better, mm-hmm. but I'm real concerned about what happens against Sam Howell here tonight. All right, here's Brian Kelly on. Uh, Browning Griffith heading handling the workload here tonight. Their confidence in playing together. What I mean, Kyle played eight, eight snaps against USC. You know them playing high leverage snaps against USC. Obviously, they feel really good going into this game. Now we're going to have to do some things relative to the depth at that position. So you know, I think I stood up here Saturday night and said, you know don't pencil in prior at the safety position, but you might, m- might pencil in prior at the safety position after we, uh, we met a little bit deeper on it. Um, so we, we've got to find a little bit more depth at that position because, you know, asking them to play the whole game um, and, 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 you know, obviously being cautious and, and understanding, you know, um, they're playing other positions as well on special teams. Ohio State transfer Isaiah Pryor will be the third safety. Then if they need K.J. Wallace, Xavier Watts will be behind them. If they get that deep, they're going to be real in trouble. Um, I, I expect Griffith and Brown to to get the workload. And, uh, I, again, I'm just – this is the worst-case scenario for Notre Dame. It's the as, – as Ilya mentioned, it's the best quarterback they're facing all year. And their, their star player is back. I mean, you talk about someone who can – and – as you mentioned, Kevin, he's a dual threat. Yeah. So now you're maybe, and we'll hear from Brian Kelly later in the show about how the dual threat aspect of San Howell changes the way they defensively have to match up because they're going to have to go more zone, it sounds like, here tonight. So you're switching up your scheme a little bit to to, to match up, and you're doing it all without your your best defensive player. I, I got great concern here tonight on this. Well, and North Carolina is really explosive. They have a lot of plays over 20 yards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. But, again, you're coming off of uh, those guys, the two safeties being out there and doing really well versus USC. I mean, we're looking at a shootout probably here tonight. Now yeah. watch it be 17-14. But, um, <laughs> well, it's always opposite. But, yeah. The but, other thing that will help, too, though, and Ilya has been on it the whole year, is that the pass rush for Notre yeah. Dame is, is really consistent. So. He was right. I was wrong on that one as well. <laughs> Ilya, you don't have to chime in. We're just telling you you're right without you <laughs> letting you even talk. So thank you, thank you. There you go. All right, let's talk. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, let's talk about the offense here in a second. And I think the mm-hmm. offense is going to be um, fine tonight because North Carolina. Would, uh, oh, all right. First, I'll let you know that Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than 80 years. Get a debit or credit card from Notre Dame FCU. Take a little bit of Notre Dame with you wherever you go. Member-owned, not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You're a share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. And a special congrats to Notre Dame FCU on being named Michiana's best financial institution, best investment firm, and best mortgage lender in the South Bend Tribune's best of the best awards. All right. Uh, offense should have no problem tonight. If uh, we thought USC's defense was vulnerable, North Carolina's may be even more vulnerable. There's a reason why they're 4-3. and three. It's not their offense. It's their defense. Brian Kelly tried to build up their defense this week saying, they got a lot of athletes. They're really, they're really talented. Yeah, well, they've still given up a ton of points. What, what uh, I, I think, well, let's start here. Jack Cohn 
what did you like about what what he did last week? I think um, you know getting the the ball out quick. I think that again the having the run game helps a lot too to be able to run the ball. Um, I I just think that they kind of found you know what they what they've been looking for. Even the uh, the left side of the offensive line. The left tackle, the freshman. Joe Alt. Yeah, he's done really, really well. And Kristoffic has done great at guard. I mean, that combination has worked out really well. Yeah. So, again, the the past four years, uh, Kelly and the Notre Dame has gotten better and better at their weaknesses throughout the year and – uh, clearly, that those issues were some of their weaknesses. I think you called it early, though, a couple of weeks ago. Why don't they just do kind of the up tempo, um, you know, offense, offense that they that Cone had success with at the end of the game, the whole game? And I think that that's been a huge thing. I mean, I kind of asked it like a dumb question, like, "Am I stupid here?" Like, yeah, no, no, you're they right. They can do this, right? <laughs> and uh, and yeah. So, um, by the way, our take it or leave it last week was Cone sack three times or more, and I think both of you guys. Uh, I thought said leave more. it. Uh, you yeah. thought more, and uh, he was only sacked once in the game. Yeah. So that that's a great sign. And then our other take it or leave it was Cone throws three touchdowns or more. He only threw one. So it's not like he was lighting the world on fire in that regard. But he's 20 of 28, 189 yards, had one touchdown, one interception, and had two first downs rushing the ball. I mean, they were QB sneaks, but that's beside the point. Here's Jack Cone on going to tempo last week and uh, what it felt like. I haven't really done that since high school, and I've obviously had a lot of success in high school with it. Um, but, yeah, I think it just gets me in a little bit of a rhythm, get a few uh, quick completions, and it gets me rolling a little bit. Um, and additionally, you know, it, it, the defense sometimes has trouble subbing and getting lined up and stuff, so that helps as well. You've gone through a lot of ups and downs, had good moments and bad moments here so far at Notre Dame. What, how do you maneuver through those things and sort of stay even keeled through it all? I mean, honestly, I mean, that's what football is. I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect. No, football is a fun sport. I mean, I just try to have fun throughout it. Um, just focus on the next play, next opportunity. And to be honest with you, this is a dream come true to be able to come play here. So I always have great perspective. Um, and I'm just so happy to be here and be able to play here. Kevin, are you sold? You've been on the Drew Pine bandwagon. Uh, yeah. Are you sold that Jack Cohen is the right man for the job right now for the rest of the season? It almost doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, Brian Kelly likes Cone. And I thought, um, well, too, I thought of the impact. This was funny, but as the game was wrapping up last week, I thought of the impact, you know, going into the game. What's it going to do for recruiting for quarterback if you have a freshman, sophomore, you get the grad transfer, you choose to go with the grad transfer? Maybe uh, Kelly's even thinking more in depth that he's just looking for the next great grad transfer. I mean, Notre Dame could be a great grad transfer place. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I think it's Buckner's land next year for sure. I think, right. I think, I think it's, <laughs> it's Buckner or bust in 2022. Uh, is that what year it is next year? I can't even keep track. It's crazy. Um, all right. Uh, we but yeah, clearly he is the guy I mean, <laughs> for Kelly. So it doesn't matter. Well, and we said the other take it or leave it was, does he start the rest of the game, rest of the games of the season? You guys both said, yeah, it's going to happen. And I, I was not sure because hmm? look, a lot of stuff can happen. And, and Brian he, Kelly does have a, you know, well, look, he'll, he'll guys, change quarterbacks. He's not against that. Cone could throw two picks and get sacked four times in the first half and pines in the game. Starting the second half tonight, it can this can switch, yeah, like that. Uh, we know we know that's a possibility. Um, but as you mentioned, O line's playing better. Yep. run games better. Um, you know USC's front seven stinks, so that helps. Uh, yeah. Kyron Williams, 
25 carries, 138 yards, two touchdowns, also caught six passes for 42 I yards. I think that was a huge, just to get him as a receiver out of the backfield. That I mean, he's he's a great player. Use him. Yeah, and and they were getting him – they're getting him some openings to run the ball, and well, and a he, lot of his runs were where he breaks out, and you know he's it's him versus a cornerback, um, and he's going to win most of the time. Yeah, but he's got to get out there first. I yeah. feel like they're the first four <laughs> games. He's he had to like jump around a couple guys just to get outside yeah. a, a little bit. So Kyron's been uh, great, and you know he had a he had to fill in, I, and not fill in. He was obviously he's the starter, but he had to take on a bigger load. Last week with Chris Tyree out. Here's yep. Kyron Williams on the improvements on the offensive line. Followed up with him talking about being asked to run a lot more with Tyree out and then uh, BK on Kyron. It's that mindset, that um, identity that we, um, as an offense, that we always knew we had. We just had to find it. So, um, as you said, Virginia Tech and uh, this game at USC, you can really start it, see, it, see it starting to come along. And you can see um, guys are... Um, making blocks, pushing the line of scrimmage to make it uh, easier for us as running backs to hit a hole and make um, explosive runs. So, um, like I said before, shout out the old linemen for working hard, knowing knowing they have, what mission they have to do um, and accomplishing it. And we heard Coach Kelly just a couple minutes ago tell us where they kind of had a sense they knew you were going to ride you this week. What was your mindset coming into that and just kind of knowing you might have that kind of workload? Yeah, um, I don't. I don't ever shy away from that, you know. I, the more, I, the more on me, or the more on my back, the, uh, for me, I like it more. So um, uh, I just knew that I had to come in with the mindset like I do every game: is just dominate and don't don't be stopped from uh, by nobody. So just um, being able to do that and it being a rivalry game always it just intensified that uh, mindset more. He, he plays with such an energy and, um, you know, an edge, right? That that it's hard not to pass that on to the entire group and boy I mean I don't know there's maybe Theo Riddick you know had a similar kind of vibe to him where you know Theo played like that he played physical um that kind of rubbed off on the group that's that's the guy that kind of he reminds me of yeah he's he plays physical he'll get in there he'll do that big block um, he'll pound, he'll hit you before you hit him. And then he's so charismatic. Like he walked in post game. He's bringing the game ball in he's smiling. <laughs> he tries to put it on the front of the podium and he's like, I got the game ball, everybody. I'm going to put it right here. You know, it, you can feel the energy yeah. and that combination, uh, Kevin, you were a coach for a long time. When, when you have a player like that, that like BK said, that does rub off on, on the rest of the guys around him. Right. Yeah, well, his attitude, um, but then his play in the field. I mean, he does everything, but he's explosive. I mean, you never know if he can, you know, take the a little bit of a run and make it a big one for a touchdown, which well, is I, huge. It, and, again, plays off that emotion, especially if he's a super positive guy. Like, yeah. It, it, it's like he leads by example in every aspect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he'll – I mean – and, well, I don't know. He's not always positive out there. He'll he'll be chippy too. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, but he's bringing an energy and a charisma that 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 helps in a major way. I expect him to have another big game tonight. What do you think? Oh, I think he can for sure. I, North Carolina's defense is really inconsistent, and I guess his energy level and playmaking ability is huge because it it. I mean, look the other other people are stepping up. So that we know Mayer's good, but the wide receivers now, they're more of a threat. Um, yeah, I think it's really coming together for him.
All right, Brian Kelly gives his take on Sam Howell and how and how Howell say that three times fast <laughs> and how Howell developing into a dual threat quarterback affects the way Notre Dame must adjust to him. And what a great guest this week as I chat with Notre Dame All-American Chris Zorich. And up next, defensive lineman Isaiah Foskey is having a breakthrough year. Why? He gives his take on what he's seeing. Hint. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this. Indiana Physical Therapy is your choice for physical and occupational therapy. We treat all walks of life, from peewees to professionals, Olympians, and those in between. Schedule at one of our 21 locations without a doctor's order. We accept all insurance plans and have the highest credentialed and most reputable staff. Open 7 to 7 to schedule the same day you call. Indiana Physical Therapy. Call 260-209-2464 or visit indianapt.com, where people go to get better. Shout out to our four Catholic high schools in the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. All victorious last night, and we'll all play for sectional championships next Friday. Dwenger defeating Fort Wayne North 10-7. St. Joe over Kankakee Valley 21-0. Marion over Tippie Valley 29-0. Lures over Prairie Heights 44-7. Still have to make a decision on the South Bend side of which game we're broadcasting next week, but I'm leaning towards St. Joe New Prairie for the sectional title in 4A since we were with Marion getting a big shutout win over Tippy Valley last night, but we'll have that announcement later on this weekend or on Monday on social media officially what we are doing for our game broadcast this week. All right, Andre DiCarlo, Kevin Downey, Ilya Glasman back with you here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, getting you set for Notre Dame in North Carolina. Uh, Kevin, Isaiah Foskey's been awesome. Uh, leads the Irish in sacks with eight tackles for loss, eight and a half. Uh, his eight sacks is third in the country right now, and he's closing in on Justin Tuck for the, the all-time sack record, which is 13.5, set in 2003. Just uh, your take on how well Foskey is playing. Well, he's uh, obviously athletic, but I think the thing that's made him improve is just simplification. Like, his his pass rush um, has really improved, and I think it's just the uh, – Again, Leah was right. The the defense is coming together. Um, I mean, some of the stats are really impressive. Him leading the sack thing, but then also they have 16 takeaways this season, which is tied for eighth nationally. Eight different players have recorded interceptions. I know that, you know, early in the season it didn't feel like they were rotating a lot of defensive linemen, but now it seems like the rotation is full bore, like lots of different people are stepping up and there's lots of fresh bodies. So, yeah, it seems like it's coming together, but he's definitely kind of that energy that you said for offense yeah, with Kyron. Then he's, you know, anytime you can you can sack somebody, that's going to change the game now that it's such a passing-oriented game. Well, on pretty much any other team, he would be considered your best defensive player. It's mm -hmm. just that when you have Kyle Hamilton, it's kind of hard to avoid that. Here's the thing, and you mentioned the turnovers. Foskey's been a part of five of them. He's yeah. forced three, four fumbles and then he's recovered two awesome. others here's the the obstacle for Notre Dame you may not get him back next year he's playing <laughs> so well and I loved he was asked this week and usually when guys are asked hey uh you thinking about the NFL it's like hey, don't worry about that man it's just about I'm playing focused yeah I'm focused on the season we'll worry about that and, and Isaiah was like yeah I think about it um but I just I'll let the season play out and see where it takes us because he could have a bad second half of the season. Yeah. He could have an injury. injury. Um, he could go lights out, and it's a no-brainer to go. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You might as well wait, get the evaluation for the advisory committee, and go from there. So what, what's been the difference for Isaiah Foskey this year? Well, here's Isaiah Foskey answering that question. 
a little bit with the vision because I'm playing a little bit of linebacker now, and it's open up, opening up my, my eyes and <clears throat> having my, like, eyes laser on. Like, I was trying to focus on this year with block destruction and getting uh, offensive tackles or offensive guard, whoever is trying to block me, hands off of me faster. And that goes in with the pass rush, and that's what I was really trying to focus on trying to do. And now I'm using a long arm a lot more. If I got, like, longer arms and – not the all, all offensive tackles, but like uh, most of the offensive tackles, I'm using that more often, and that's just something that that goes into pass rush, and I feel like that's what I was going into the season trying to accomplish, and I've been doing so well right now. Yeah, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is, and uh, I I think he's going to be a key tonight. We talk about mm-hmm. how with the secondary being down without Hamilton. I think you're right. I mean, I think they need Foskey to pick it up even more. Uh, bringing that pressure on Howell and maybe, you know, not letting him escape that pocket as much, too, uh, in in the rush aspect because that combination could be, be dangerous. All right. it's uh, By the way, another night game. Uh, were, were we able to see on TV how good the atmosphere was? I mean, because it was it was pretty good live. It was good. You I actually did. took my two oldest girls and went to it. it oh, was, you were, you were at was, the game. I yeah, didn't realize. It's a fan in the sands. It was exciting. What was that? So what was that experience like? Uh Honestly, I was impressed. I mean, every third down, everybody was standing. It wasn't, um, you know, the the knock that you usually get with an older crowd just sitting there. I guess now I'm part of the older crowd, so maybe <laughs> it's a little bit easier. Not quite that older uh. crowd, yeah. <laughs> and those watching on Facebook and YouTube, we got a picture here of uh, uh, pregame when they kind of dipped the lights mm-hmm. a little bit and everything like that. I thought the third, the, the, the transition to the fourth quarter was awesome. Yeah, well, was especially cool. when they like totally. Knock down the lights. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Like, yeah. that's that's pretty good. So they keep that up. I don't know if it'll have the same energy tonight because it's North Carolina, not USC. Um, it is a night game, but I think they'll do it again. I think the fans will be really into it because they're yeah. like, um, they're wa- they should be anticipating that moment. And I know Ilya will be in the stands tonight. So he'll, right. he'll get to experience that in the stands. I'll, I'll be in the press box. It's still cool from there as well. So <laughs> I'll enjoy that as well. All right, coming up, it's our game day sprint as we look at how Notre Dame defends Sam Howell without Kyle Hamilton. But up next, my conversation with former Notre Dame All-American Chris Zorch. You won't want to miss it. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays returns after this quick timeout. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michigan. The students receive practical college-level internship experience. Helping out with our broadcast of high school football wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. Last week, our featured guests were Blake Wesley and J.R. Kinesny. Last night, Notre Dame men's basketball uh exhibition game over Nazareth. They won by 40 points. Wesley had 11 points in 21 minutes. JR had four points in 18 minutes. They were the first two guys off the bench. They were number six and seven. So it's good to see. So uh, our, our weeks go polar opposites, Kevin. We go from the the future Notre Dame <laughs> stars to 
a past Notre Dame great, and I know uh, Chris Zorich is our feature interview. Mm-hmm. I know he's one of your all-time favorites from when you were younger. Yeah, definitely. I was, uh, let's see, 88. So I was like in junior high. So I really, really looked up to him, and I played defensive line like him. And yeah, no, he's awesome. You mean you also played defensive line, not like him? <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty. I was oh, pretty right. tough as a, a player. I was all right. All right, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Zorch, of course, playing at Notre Dame from '87 to '90, starting defensive lineman on the '88 national championship team, All American. Then after that, as a junior and senior, went on to play in the NFL for the Bears, College Football Hall of Famer. Just really a great conversation conversation about being part of Notre Dame's last national championship team what Lou Holtz says is Lou's biggest regret from his coaching days and also a great story you may have heard it before but it's always worth listening to Chris about his recruitment from Chicago and how he thought Notre Dame was really far away and I mean really far away uh oceans away if you will here's my conversation with uh Notre Dame legend Chris Orch all right, buddy. Uh, good to hear from you again. Uh, it's been a bit since we last talked. Can you believe that it's now more than 30 years uh, since uh, your playing days at Notre Dame uh, ended? It's very scary. Um, I, I think about that all the time. It's one of those things where it's good in a sense, but also frustrating because Notre Dame has not won a national championship since then. And, and I'm sure if you talk to the guys from my era, that's literally all we talk about is, you know, when is it going to happen again? And it's nice to be the last one. I just didn't think it was going to take 30, 30 years, 30 plus years for this thing to kind of um, uh, someone kind of take the responsibility and take the reins. Yeah, it is crazy to think about that. And I imagine you guys thought you were going to get it the next year in, in 89. And we can... <laughs> We could talk very about very true, very true. We could talk about that, uh, but and Coach Holtz always joked that not joked, even think he was serious that he thought the '89 team was better than the '88 team. Uh, but actually, let's go there. Uh, let's let's just sure. go right into it. Uh, was '89 better than '88? Outside of the tremendous senior leadership that we had in '88, and you talk about something like Frank Stams, Andy Heck, Mark Green. Um, West Pritchett, I mean, these are individuals that really kind of saw kind of the dark ages of Notre Dame football. They were there with Faust. They were there when they got beat 58-7 by Miami. Um, so that leadership really kind of carried over to the 88 year where we had a lot of young guys who, did, who knew nothing about kind of the history that they had with Miami or these other teams that really kind of dominated uh, Notre Dame for years. It was great in the sense that it was there had tremendous leadership. And that's the reason why we won in 88. And everybody said, you know, hey, we were supposed to win in 89. We came up with that one game short. But it's really interesting. I, you know, this is kind of 30 years later. And on my podcast, uh, I had Coach Holtz on. And out of the blue, you know, he just said, you know, hey, I'd like to talk about the one thing that I regret during my college coaching days. I'm like, wow, you know, what was that? You know, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of stunned. And he was like, Krishna, it was that 89 Miami game. And for, for those folks who may or may not know, um, we, uh, Miami won in 87, the national championship. We won the national championship in 88. And we were actually number one going into that Miami game in 89. 
And we had this reputation of being kind of this aggressive, kind of, you know, we're not going to back down. And of course, Miami kind of taunted us. And so we got like a couple of skirmishes before the game and coach Holtz brought us in the locker room. And he said, if you guys get into another fight, I'm going to resign. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of like stunned, like, you know, what, like, you're kidding me. And so we actually went out after his speech, went out and we were, we were, we were really flat. And we kind of needed that kind of um, that that aggressive attitude, which he had taken away. And he apologized to me and, the, you know, the whole team on my podcast. And I was like, uh, wow. So I sent it out after the podcast was over. I sent it out to all the guys that it was so interesting to kind of see his perspective then and now. And he was even saying he was he was under a lot of pressure from the university because, again, um, we were kind of a, a different type of player, different type of team than they had in the past. And, you know, we weren't going to back down and we, we wanted getting into a lot of fights and sports illustrated at one point called me the meanest player in college football. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's not a reputation that Notre Dame likes to have. Right. And so going in and, and it's interesting because we didn't know as players that he was under all this pressure. So it was just kind of an interesting dynamic, but if you kind of take that game out of it, and, you know, we have another great game. I mean, we, have, we would win back-to-back national championships because of the, the talent. Um, we had better talent in, in 89 than we actually had in 88. Outside of that senior leadership that I mentioned before, it was really the, the talent that took over in 89. But that was kind of this momentous kind of situation that, again, I didn't think was going to happen. But all of a sudden, you know, he, he kind of talks about it on my podcast, and I was like, wow. Now, granted, I mean, it's 30 years later, and I wish we would have, you know, kind of had that. I mean, we wish we would have thought about it before he went to the locker room and told us, but, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a growing pains. Notre Dame legend Chris Zorge joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame getting set to face North Carolina tonight. Uh, talking, reminiscing here with Chris about his playing days. And, you know, we're talking about, obviously, he's on the last Notre Dame National Championship team back in 88, winning that National Championship as a sophomore on the team. And that's your coming out party in 88. You, you didn't really get to do too much in 87. But to be a part of that, uh, you know, coming out as a sophomore, you mentioned the senior leadership that was there. What was that experience like for you, Chris, to be kind of like the young guy who was rising through the ranks and, and being a main player on, on that defense as the seniors led you guys to a national championship? Well, you know, I mean, it was really just kind of this, this really crazy uh, crazy experience because I mean, I didn't play at all my first year. I was on the, the prep squad. I mean, I was holding tackling dummies for the starters. So I never thought I was ever going to play in their name at all. And so um, then I got moved to defensive tackle or nose guard from linebacker. And I definitely didn't think I'd ever play. Um, but, you know, as this time went on, the, 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 uh, the spring happened, the, the, the summer came past, and all of a sudden I was a starter. Now, I was used to playing in front of maybe, maybe 100, 150 people in my high school um, for our games. So the first game I play against Michigan, first time Notre Dame had ever had a night game before. I mean, there were... Uh, I think at that time the stadium held like 57,000, I think, or something like that. But there were millions of people watching on TV. And that was just the most amazing experience ever. 
Um, you talk about kind of, I get chills kind of talking about it now, but it's like I me mean, going through the tunnel for the first time um, as a player, knowing that you're going to play, um, wearing that uniform, um, kind of all the pageantry that went on with being a part of Notre Dame football. I was finally part of that. And I don't even, rem- I mean, I've seen, obviously seen film of it, but I don't remember the game because it was more of a blur because I was just so out of my mind and, I mean, I wound up jumping off sides like three or four times. I thought I was going to get pulled, but wound up having like nine or 10 tackles, a sack, on, I mean, a, a couple of sacks, I think. So it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And so for me, being this young kid thinking, hey, you know, this is how it's going to be all the time. And it was that level of the expectation. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So for me, kind of that first year, 88, me having a chance to play for the first time was just absolutely just amazing and really didn't think and, and the way we were taught was kind of take each game at a time so that Michigan game you know we wound up we won I think by a point or two because Reggie Ho kicked like 100 field goals or something like that so it's just one of those situations where you know we were still kind of fighting and, and scrapping um throughout the whole season until we started to play the the, the Miamis and, and USC's and everything Chris, what when you look at this year's squad and you look at uh, let's start, you know, your defensive lineman, great. So let's talk about Isaiah Foskey a little bit, uh, and the way he's been playing this year. What are, what are your thoughts on the way he's raised his game and what makes him so special out there? Well, I mean, one, I mean, he's a great player and really kind of comes through when we need him. The idea, I think he had, did he have two sacks or one sack last? I forgot what he had against. Uh, in USA, I think he had two, but the idea of I mean, having a player like that, I just wish you know we had more because he's a great athlete, but more importantly, I mean, for the offense, I mean, he causes problems. And when, when, when you have a player like that, you always have to be aware where he's at. And so when, when, whenever, wherever he lines up, I mean, an offense is going to have to make sure that they have them covered. So now you're talking about they have to change kind of their game plan, making sure that they can block them. And that's something that that I think every defensive coordinator would want. And I think Marcus Freeman is able to kind of capitalize on that and kind of moving him around a little bit. He's not doing a lot, but he's moving around enough where now offenses have to make sure where he's at. And that really um, uh, causes problems for the offense. No Kyle Hamilton for Notre Dame in this game against North Carolina. How big of a blow is that, and how much does that change Notre Dame's defense, uh, do, do you feel? Because obviously we know how extraordinary he is. Sure, and, and, and Kyle's a great player, and it's just really unfortunate that he wound up getting injured against um, USC. But, and, and Kelly has talked about this before, it's kind of next man up. And when you look at um, the guy, and I forgot his name, who replaced him. DJ Brown. Um, yeah, I mean, he wanted to make him some great plays. You know, and, and so it's great that now at an important position, we have individuals now when someone goes out, you have a, a, a player that can come in and there really isn't that much of a, of a step down from the person that was starting. And so I think it's going to be a huge loss, but I think it's, well, one of those situations where um, you, you always talk about kind of how tough uh, you are and what that leadership is like. And, and oftentimes I think about um, how the, the test for a true leader is what happens during adversity. And when, when you have an individual like Kyle who's not going to be there, you know, who's going to step up and who's going to make plays. 
Notre Dame legend Chris Zorge joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. What what made you choose to go to Notre Dame in the first place, Chris? You mentioned being recruited by Miami. I'm sure you had a bunch of different offers. What what made Notre Dame the right fit for you? Uh, so it's a really interesting story, and, and I don't know if you've heard this before, but when I was being recruited, I came from an area where college really wasn't um, a thing where I grew up, and it was a big deal if you graduated from high school. So no one really ever went to college. And so when um, Kurt Schottenheimer, he was the linebacker coach at Notre Dame way back when, when he came to my high school, um, he asked me how I'd like to attend Notre Dame. And my neighborhood on the southeast side of Chicago is about 90 miles from Notre Dame, and you jump on the Skyway, you're right there. And But I didn't know that. And so he asked me, I was like, you know, I would love to, but my mom doesn't like to fly. And he kind of looked a little strange. So what do you mean your mom doesn't like to fly? And honestly, God, I said, there's no way my mom would fly to France to see me play. And he kind of looked at me and said, France. And I was like, well, yeah, you guys got the hunchback guy in the little church, right? And he was like, whoa. I'm sure he looked at the file like, eh, and he put a big, probably put a big X there. And he's like, this, this kid doesn't even know where Notre Dame is. He was like, well, actually, son, you know, we're only 90 miles away. And I was like, really? But again, I didn't know, right? So he left the media guide and left some other information. So I just devoured that information. And one of the things that, that stood out for me was the importance of academics. And at that time, the graduation rate was 98.98. So my options were either going to be going to Notre Dame or going to Northwestern. And I didn't realize how important it would be for me to be so local. Um, obviously, Northwestern is in Evanston. It's actually probably just a little bit closer than, than Notre Dame was for my neighborhood, but it was close. And my mom had a chance to kind of come to every home game. So that was important. But I was really sold on the fact that it was, it was a great academic institution when I found out that it was not in France. Okay, so once you uh, got on campus and realized you were in uh, South Bend and not in France, what were, uh, what were some of your favorite spots uh, on campus and maybe now? Uh, when you're going back to campus, where are the places you like to to pay visit to? Well, it, it's just funny because, I mean, although you say, you know, it was only 90 miles away, it wasn't France. It could have been France for me, right? Because I, mean, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. There were a lot of gangs, drugs, and violence and everything. But I got there, and there's a lake on campus. I mean, I was feeding the ducks, feeding the squirrels, and the squirrels would come up to you. My neighborhood, you know, you see a squirrel, it's, it's gone. And... Um, my dog's here and I said, squirrel, she popped up. You know? um, so it's just really weird because when I was on campus, I mean, you know, I take walks around the lake. It was just this peaceful, serene environment that was literally millions of miles away from where, where, where I grew up, even though it was only 90 minutes. So, you know, I had a chance to kind of really experience two classes at St. Mary's where um, our daughter currently is a sophomore. So I really kind of experienced kind of the whole um, campus, but obviously my favorite places obviously were um, the grotto, obviously, and, and I went to Soren, so I always like to go back to kind of Soren to see if they improved that a little bit. And then at that time, um, the bookstore courts, they were right behind Soren, uh, the dorm. And I mean, I remember like two, three o'clock in the morning, sometimes people would be playing basketball. So I was kind of like to look at that but the campus has changed so much i mean i was gone for a period of, i worked at Notre Dame for a little bit but 
Um, after that, I was gone for a while. I came back and I, I didn't even recognize the place. You got an event. You're coming to town on Friday at, at Augie's locker room, Friday to 1 yes. to 3 p.m. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on there. So it's really fun. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to meet, uh, spend time with Lisa Kelly. Yep, yep. Um, great. She's a phenomenal individual. I kind of call her the modern historian of Notre Dame because she's written several books um, on the football program and kind of former players. But this book, it's called uh, Domer Dishes. And she literally talked to a whole bunch of guys, me included, and asked kind of what our favorite dishes were and kind of give us a little story. And so it's really cool that you have all these amazing players, but also kind of get an insight of kind of the foods that they like. And so folks are able to kind of put together some great meals. Lisa and myself are going to be at Augie's uh, locker room on the uh, Friday, November 5th from one to three, as you mentioned, and we're just going to be signing stuff. Uh, she's going to be signing her book. I'll have a memorabilia there to sign for folks and really kind of have a good time. But it's, it's great because it's so cool. I don't know if you've ever been to Augie's locker room before, but he has that place is like a, a, a museum. I mean, you can walk in there and you can buy things like from the, the um, era's era. Um, you can find a lot of really unique memorabilia that a lot like eBay doesn't have. A lot of these places don't have. I mean, he even has like a, a Lou Holtz um, uh, doll. Like I was like, what are you kidding me? I didn't know they made a doll for Lou Holtz. And I mean, I spent so much time in South Bend, so it kind of allows me to kind of hang out with, with, with the fans in South Bend. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today and uh, enjoy your time in South Bend next weekend. Angela, this has been a blast, man. Thank you. The great Chris Zorich again. He'll be at Augie's locker room. You can meet him there on uh, Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. Signing some autographs. Chris also hosts a couple podcasts. So just search Chris Zorich on YouTube and y you can find those. Uh, I love the story of the 88 National Championship team of finally getting his opportunity as a sophomore and yeah. not getting to play as a freshman. But, Kevin, you, you actually <laughs> met him when he was a freshman before he became the All-American Chris Zorich. Yes, yeah, so my mom was a teacher for South Bend Community Schools, and um, a lot of times the people in the community will ask Notre Dame to send some players. So since it was just for a little grade school, they sent you know a freshman or two, and one of those was Chris Zorich. And, again, um, you know, before he got famous and everything, it was really neat just to meet him because he was really, really down to earth uh, and humble. And then just to watch him and again playing nose guard too, it was so cool to see somebody with that much energy like the guys we were talking about earlier. Yeah, he and he's a great dude. Uh, always enjoy conversations with Chris. Uh, so thank you. Thanks again to him for coming on uh, the show this week. All right, up next, it's our game day sprint to kick off as we preview Notre Dame versus North Carolina and Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays back after this. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown. Four and three, North Carolina coming to town tonight. Kickoff at 730, number 11th ranked Notre Dame now, 6-1 on the season. The 22nd all-time meeting, Notre Dame leads 19-2. Both North Carolina wins were in Chapel Hill, so this would be uh, the first ever 
chance for North Carolina to win at Notre Dame. Notre Dame won last year in Chapel Hill 31-17. They played really well against uh, Sam Howell in that one. Last time they played at Notre Dame, 2014, Irish won 50-43. to <laughs> maybe, maybe it's going to be like that again. Uh, Mac Brown, uh, the head coach at North Carolina, former mentor of Brian Kelly's uh, when Kelly was at Grand Valley State. So they they have a long history together. And uh, as we mentioned, North Carolina has kind of been all over the place uh, this year. Uh, Lost to Virginia Tech, beat Georgia State, beat Virginia by 20. They scored 59 on Virginia. Uh, Lost to Georgia Tech, beat Duke, lost to Florida State, beat Miami. So um, they're really all over the place. And the big story again. No Kyle Hamilton tonight. Sam Howell has developed into a dual-threat quarterback. It's kind of interesting to see this, Kevin. He's He was always known as a passer, and now he's he's he can run the ball. He's averaging nearly 100 yards a game on the ground. Well, and he's getting more and more dangerous as the season goes. You can see him progressing and getting better at the actual um, called quarterback runs, too. So not scrambling around, running around when a pass play breaks down, but when they're designed for him. Um, so, yeah, that does make him dangerous. Yeah, and it, he certainly can sling the ball as well. 18 touchdown passes, five rushing touchdowns. Here's Brian Kelly on Sam Howell. He's difficult to bring down. He's big. He's strong. Uh, they're running him a lot more, as you know. Uh, quarterback draw in particular uh, is problematic for most because you're, you know, you're trying to defend um, – you know, the width of the field, it creates great space for him to run. Um, you know, he's tough, he's physical, and, um, you know, he's difficult to defend when he decides to run the football. Where it concerns us the most is third down. You know, our third down defense has been, you know, quite a bit of man coverage, and third down becomes problematic now because of the, the, the quarterback draw. <clears throat> you know, last year we got after him, right, and we sacked the quarterback quite a bit. We were able to get after him. Now, you know, obviously the neutralizing uh, of that pass rush is the ability to run quarterback draw. We've got to be cognizant of it, right? We've got to run more line games. Uh, We've got to be able to take away uh, some of those lanes, you know, in particular uh, that could be there. So it it does slow down your pass rush a little bit um, and force you to play a little bit more zone. Now, he, he he does get sacked quite a bit, uh, 27 times, so about four times a game. So that is a possibility as well. But no question without Kyle Hamilton, this is going to be a matchup problem for Notre Dame in the back of the defense. Yeah, well, again, on those design runs, if he breaks free and gets uh, deeper in explosive play, then you're not going to have your best athlete to track him down. And, and I think, honestly, that I mean, they have some good players too. So he's, he's a good dual threat runner, but they're – I, the biggest thing that I take away from their offense is that they're explosive. So they have um, – they lead the ACC, and they're tied fifth nationally with 25 plays of 30-plus yards. Like, they get out and go. Like, the little uh, wide receiver, number 11, Josh Downs, 60 catches for 837 yards, eight touchdowns. So he's their leading guy. But, man, he caught, like, a little bubble pass and just went. <laughs> I mean, the guy can really fly. And then the running back, uh, number 19, Ty Chandler's – He's good at running, but I think his most um, dangerous part is uh, passes out of the backfield, especially wheels. Okay, so we haven't talked about North Carolina's defense. That's because they give up a lot of points. They're giving up 29 points per game. Super inconsistent. Super inconsistent. <laughs> so you don't know what's going to expect. You you assume that Notre Dame can score a lot of points, and I think they will. Uh, we got about a minute left here in the mm. show, uh, so let's get right into it. What, what's your what's your prediction, Kevin? What do you think happens here? 
I think Notre Dame wins 35 to 28. Okay. I think it'll come down to explosive plays. Ilya? Uh, my key to the game is holding North Carolina field goals in the red zone, and I think they'll do that. So my prediction is 37-20, Notre Dame. 37-20. So you guys both have it running away on Twitter. 71% of the those voting said Notre Dame wins by seven or more. Well, you know, folks, oh, I don't know. You know how I've been saying all year that there's going to be the game that you don't expect something to happen yeah. and it's all going to fall apart? This is the one. No Kyle Hamilton. Ah, uh, they sling it around. North Carolina 41, Notre Dame 40. This is going to be the game that you don't and we're going to be everyone's going to be going crazy. Now, Notre Dame may win by 30. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe not that much, but yeah. Notre Dame wins by 21. I wouldn't be surprised, mm-hmm. but ooh. I am this concerned about game, that one. Huh? You guys think I'm crazy or do you Yeah, think- North Carolina's lost to worse. They lost to Florida State. For crying that that wasn't even. Their name almost lost to Florida State, (laughs) but they won at Florida State. Okay, but they they almost lost. It's not like they definitely won. Uh, I mean, they almost lost to Virginia Tech too. All right, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Thanks to Ilya, Kevin, I'm Angelo. Notre Dame, North Carolina, kickoff at 7.30. We're back with you on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays next Saturday at 9 a.m. We close our show the same way the Irish show close their pregame. In prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame Mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game. Are you feeling sandwiched between caring for aging parents while still raising children? If so, join me, Chris Godfrey, every Monday during the noon hour for The Sandwich Generation. Every week I'll have conversations with experts and friends on this important calling. Being sandwiched is a great opportunity for growing in our friendship with God. So tune in for advice and inspiration every Monday during the noon hour or listen anytime at spokestreet.com slash sandwich.